What's up, guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today we're finishing the book of Leviticus, and I just want to highlight chapter 26 because it is just so important. Everything that's included here is all about the blessings for the people's obedience when they go into the land. God promises to bless them if they obey, and also he promises to curse them for their disobedience. So both of those things are so strong, and they're held together as really one chapter. If you obey God and do what he says here in the book of Leviticus, he's going to bring them into the land. He's going to do great things for them. He's going to drive them out. There's a cool section here that says, Five of you shall chase 100 of you, and 100 of you shall chase 10,000 of you. So God's going to be with them if only they do what he says. If only they really obey him. But if they don't, we see the command that if they don't listen to God, he will curse them. He'll If they spurn his statutes, is what it says, if your soul abhors my rules so that you don't do all that I command you and you break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease, and fever will consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And he goes on to say, this is what's going to happen if you disobey me. So if you're an Israelite here and you're experiencing un the, the book of Leviticus and you're, you're listening to Moses tell it. You want to obey God more than anything else. And the book of Deuteronomy actually, I think, repeats a lot of these things because the book of Deuteronomy, remember, is the second giving of the law. This would be the first giving of the law. This is at the beginning of the, the Israelites' time in the wilderness, towards the beginning. That takes place at the end. Deuteronomy takes place at the end. But we see both of these things repeated. If you want to see the cross-reference, Deuteronomy 28, 29, 30 kind of reference what's going on here, the blessings and the curses for obedience slash disobedience. So, very clear here. If you obey God and give the land its Sabbaths and follow the commands about all these festivals, God's going to do good to you. But if you don't, you won't. So, remember that when I say you, who am I talking about? I'm not talking about you watching this video. I'm talking about these people of Israel talking about what they were supposed to do when they went into the land. But there is still a bit of a connection when we think about how God blesses obedience today. It's not quite as one-to-one -one ratio as it was here, but just know God keeps his promises. That hasn't changed at all. He keeps his promises to the people of Israel. He keeps his promises to us. And one of the promises that we get regarding our salvation in the gospel is if we confess our sins, God will forgive us. And if we turn from our sins, he'll embrace us. So that's something we got to keep in mind for sure. That as we think about obedience to God, it is so important that we do what God says. It is so important. But even more important, the most important thing that anyone can do is trust in Jesus for salvation. Because you might say, oh, well, if I'm looking at all these things, if I just obey God as hard as I can and do as much as I can for God, well, then he'll embrace me. Right? God says it's not how it works. He makes it very clear that it's only through faith in what Jesus did we can be saved. So the book of Leviticus is awesome because it gives this pattern of blessing and curse and obedience and disobedience. Um, but what we're going to see, especially in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2 is our New Testament reading. We see that theme carry on here. Mark chapter 2 starts off with this guy who's a paralytic. That means he can't walk. He can use his arms, but can't use his legs. So this guy basically would have been in a wheelchair today. They don't have any wheelchairs back then. So he has to be carried into the house from the ceiling on a stretcher. And it says Jesus saw his faith, which how do you see someone's faith? 
right? Jesus can see their faith in a way that we couldn't. It says, when he sees his faith, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, is that what he was coming to ask for? Really? Because it seems like Jesus, the healer, has been healing people's diseases. Was he really coming to ask for his sins to be forgiven? Well, we don't really know. But it says Jesus saw his faith and said, your sins are forgiven. That is a more important thing than having his legs healed because his legs were going to die just like every person, even with legs that work, their legs were going to eventually stop working when they die. So the biggest thing that happens here is not that Jesus heals him. That's important, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that his sins are forgiven. And when he says that, the people around say, how can this guy forgive sins? And Jesus turns to them and says, what's more, what, what was harder to do? What's more impressive? What's more important for me to say your sins are forgiven or to say you may be healed? What's harder for you to do, right? And in a sense, it's like, well, I, I can't heal or forgive sins. Only God can do those things. I think that's Jesus's point. Exactly. He's saying who he is. And he goes on. He talks about at the end of this chapter, how he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who invented the Sabbath. The Sabbath was uh, made by him because he's God, right? It was his design. So when they accuse him of breaking the Sabbath, they don't know what they're talking about. They're trying to accuse him because they're being jealous of him. And one more thing here that's important and is really related to what happens with this paralytic is when Jesus calls Levi or Matthew to be a disciple, it says tax collectors and sinners gathered around Jesus and Jesus was, was able to eat with them. Pharisees, religious people didn't really like that. But what he says here at the end is, those who are well, those who are you know, physically well, they had no need for a physician, but those who are sick, right? Then he says, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. And what he's saying is just like sick people need to go see the doctor and healthy people don't really need to, or they don't think they need to. I've come to this earth not to call the people who think they're righteous, but I've come to call the people who know that they're sinners. And that's what Jesus says to these religious leaders. That's what he did with Matthew. That's what he did with this paralytic. And that's what he does with us. If we recognize our sin and we turn from it and we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins based on what he did, he says he'll forgive us. And that's what he came to do. So you might see as we read the book of Mark, you start to see more of Jesus's mission put on display here. And that right there is one of the most important things. He came to save sinners. That's Jesus's mission. So, and I'm thankful that was his mission because we all need to be saved from our sins. So thanks for reading the Bible with us today. Make sure you get in the whole thing this morning. Don't just take the snapshot. Make sure you read the whole thing and we'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.